0: Hello, you're very welcome to episode 80 of F&I Rap Chat. So, this is a different thing uh, that we've been trying to play with for the last uh, couple of months, myself and Paul. Uh, We wanted to do something a little bit different for this episode and we've been putting it together. Um, So basically, just the idea of talking about um, the different skills that are needed to be uh, a a filmmaker. So... uh, thinking outside the box a little bit and um, kind of looking at, uh, you know, things like resilience and uh, different types of skills that we can build on um, uh, as a filmmaker and, uh, you know, just uh, (laughs) looking at the different resources that we can use. So that's what we decided to do with this and we're talking to a couple of different people. So first up, we have uh, Julia Roddy. Uh, Julia was actually my script writing lecturer in GMIT uh, many many years ago and since then uh, Julia has gone on to work uh, and to study psychotherapy and to work as a psychotherapist and uh, I thought it would be great to get her on and have a chat with her kind of about the crossover of psychotherapy and film and get her kind of insights on that and uh, we had a brilliant chat on the phone so uh, let's go to Julia Julia Roddy uh joining me on the phone. Uh thanks so much for taking the time to do this. You're welcome. Um so you might just give us a little back, bit of a background uh the kind of work you'd done before you made your way into psychotherapy um and the kind of, in working in the film industry.
1: Um well I grew up in Belfast during the troubles and um my very first degree, in fact, is in fine art. Yeah. And to kind of, you know, to fund my way through study, I worked um, in film as an assistant editor and at the, started off as a gopher, actually. Right. Moved up to assistant editor, then started into research and then in screenwriting and decided to take myself to Dublin to do, uh, well... Actually, I went to Galway, did a postgrad in film okay. and television, and got interested in screenwriting via Patsy Murphy, who lectured then. Okay. And then went to Dublin and did my masters in screenwriting. And um, So, I worked in film on and off, especially short films and documentaries.
0: Yeah. And um. Yeah. What is what kind of sparked your interest in getting into the screenwriting side of it?
1: Well, to be honest, I think one of the interests is because it's one of the most... For me, it was the one that jumped at me said there's lots of able to play here creatively. Yeah. And, um, you know, playing, playing with language, in a way, was just the next step for me from playing with colour and paint. And I, and I do see film as visual pictures telling us stories, and I, that, for me, that's what screenwriting is. It, it's writing a story visually, so it's visual storytelling. So it, it was a no-brainer, ready to move from paint into into the language of film.
0: Yeah. And and what kind yeah. of work did you end up doing, uh, say, as a screenwriter then?
1: Well, to be honest, I didn't. I, I wrote some. Um, I adapted a short film um, for an animator um, and I also wrote a little short film for um, Channel 4. Uh, It was a thing that that they came in and approached young people and it was was more of a kind of an experimental film. Yeah. Um, And... I actually got really interested more in the craft of screenwriting. Right. When I went and did my master's with Owen Harris. Yeah. His passion for the craft of screenwriting. And also because I was a single parent. Right. Um, and I'd worked on films like feature films and, and, and long documentaries, feature documentaries. The time-wise were really challenging for me as a single parent. Yeah. So uh, the, the screen... Uh, Screenwriting and the craft of screenwriting became more appealing to me yeah. because I knew that I could probably teach in that or, or you know, yeah. work in that context. So that's what that's what drew me really to the the deeper interest in the craft of screenwriting.
0: Yeah. And did you find any kind of links in your background to like art 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 theory and that kind of thing? Was there crossover or was it completely different? yes
1: yeah. Again, I you know, and, and and this is a personal thing, but I do see film as an extension of art. I, I mean, I think everything in the world is art, yeah, and has been created one form or another. Whether it's a newborn baby, whether it's a film, whether it's a documentary, whether it's a piece of furniture, yeah. Um so, yes, everything that I brought into it was connected to how I. Um, how I understood the world as a creative place, and and the, and the necessity to have an appreciation of art, and an appreciation of color and form and composition, and um, you know if you, you there's so many films out there, I and mean, if you look at uh, Wes Anderson's work or Peter Greenaway's work or a lot of the, you know a lot of the experimental work, it, it all has an art. Yeah. Um, Background in it, but so do a lot, a lot of the commercial films that we have as well. You know, it, it, it is it's, it's a co-creation of people's creativity. I mean, that's what films are. It, it's never it's never reliant on one person. It's always reliant on a whole team yeah. of create, creative people who co-create to make this film happen. So, yeah,
0: um, great. And so maybe just talk about how you found your way. Uh, moving towards the psychotherapy side of things?
2: Well,
1: there's a lot of reasons why I chose to go down the psychotherapy route. Um, I suppose, again, my, my interest in the craft of screenwriting and understanding how to be human
2: yeah.
1: in regards to the characters and how we create characters, and also because I've written my own book, The, the Orange Boy Blue, mm-hmm. which was a very cathartic healing process for me. And right. um, I began to want to dig deeper into why people behave the way they do and why, I, I suppose, uh, why we why we think the way we think. Um, and also because, I suppose, as a lecturer for 20 years yeah. in the GMIT. I recognised a lot of young people who um, needed support with their mental health. Okay. And it seemed to be on the internet. So I saw... Uh, and for me, it was like a logical step forward. Interestingly enough, um, from paint to screenwriting and now to psychotherapy. Yeah, Because now I'm working with real people's stories. Yeah. And I'm getting a much deeper understanding in to to what that's about, um, and you know, if you if you look at catharsis and um, what Aristotle talks about in terms of um, understanding people's tragedy, and you know, Aristotle said that the purpose of tragedy is to arouse terror and pity and thereby he, the effects of the catharsis of these emotions. And what he's talking there about is us getting a better grasp on our own traumas and tragedies mm-hmm. and feeling better by, about ourselves by yeah. seeing other people's tragedies and terrors and pains. Um, and so that that's what... That's, I feel the, the reason why I go and watch a film is, is so that I get a better understanding of human nature and... Um, and it helps me feel better about myself on many levels. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this is this is um, well, psychotherapy um, just helps me create an even deeper level of understanding human nature. Yeah. In others, as well as in myself.
0: Yeah. So film is kind of a film is kind of a subconscious therapy anyway. And then this way, then you can kind of (laughs) explore that a bit more. Um, It's really interesting. One of the things that comes up on the podcast a good bit is um, just kind of, we'd like to kind of talk about some of the aspects of the film industry that other people aren't, don't always get mentioned. So some of the the harder things, so facing rejection and, you know, the resilience that you need to keep going. Um, Is there kind of, do you think there's kind of, tools that we can build on as filmmakers uh, to kind of to to build, to kind of make ourselves kind of to pr- protect our mental health and that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> well, that's a mind feed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that is a mind feed because there's so many layers of that. Yeah. You know, and I think with the whole you know, recent kind of awareness around the lack of women's stories yeah. and the lack of women's Protagonists and women have been forgotten to a large extent in regard to their story, yeah. um, and also their language in the roles that they've been given as characters. Um, but and, and, and really, you do you need you need resilience mm. to be in the film industry. And um, if if you're a, a, a saucy, it's very very tough. Yeah. Um, and often the people who know how to plunge their way through are the ones that will be more successful. Yeah. But, you know, there's something in that, again, in, in what we've just discussed in regards to, to being human as well, because we are only human. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I do, uh, you know, something very interesting happened to me just last week. Yeah. I took my 15-year-old son to see the Joker yeah. in the new omni Texan Salt Hill and the reclining seat.
2: Yeah.
1: As the presence of doing well in his junior shirt. Yeah. And you know, The Joker is, is is a very interesting film about a man who is not heard, not seen, and very fragile in terms of mental health. Yeah. And he he ends up, you know, turning to silence mm. to to try and purge his, his own emotions. Yeah. And I noticed whenever that happened in the film, whenever there was very graphic violence, I needed to look away. Mm. And when I looked around the room, I saw a lot of young people very comfortably sitting in that moment of this this very fragile young man slaying three people in a tube station. And the same week I went to see a collection of short films uh, that Vivian Dick curated Mm -hmm. um, on um, experimental short films, all made actually by women. And a lot of the films carried the message of love. Mm. And, you know, at the very beginning, um, uh, Vivian said often there isn't a place for these films. And it really struck me mm. that there isn't often a place for films that have that softness and that kind of sensuality. And um, and I wonder sometimes, are we more terrified of love than we are of hatred and violence on screen and in the world in general?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very interesting uh, to kind of to look at that. Um, yeah, like I, I...
1: But when it comes to, when it comes to resilience. Yeah, I think the best message I could give to anybody out there is just just to be yourself. Yeah, and to continue to be yourself and to believe in yourself. Yeah, because we all have our own story, and, and we will have other people out there who will want to manipulate our story and manipulate how we tell our stories. But the best thing to do is to take stance with your own story and and you know we're not always wonderful, and we do have to refine our stories mm. and we do need support with how we put ourselves out there but but to be yourself
0: yeah uh absolutely and um is there any like as a, I think uh, most writers are certainly in my own work i'm I'm always interested at looking at different thinkers in different ways so, so like reading about the likes of you know Freud and Jung and things like that um, I, and I, I think a lot of writers kind of find that, that you know kind of expanding your mind by looking at that kind of thing uh, uh, can be really helpful is there anything like that that you've kind of found that may, maybe some people might not know about or that you know different well novels?
1: I uh, I think Arvind Nyalam is a wonderful writer and um, Irvine writes stories as well of therapy and he comes from an existentialist background. Yeah. And um, you know, Irvine would say that despair is the price that one pays for self awareness. Um, and Joseph Campbell I think is a Bible for, for all filmmakers for, 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 for just for anybody that Joseph Campbell um really looks at I, he looks a lot at initiation. Of the human spirit, especially as a young young boy becoming yeah. a young man, and I think we could also apply a young girl, to a young woman. Yeah. Um. But you know, his, and 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 Joseph Campbell would have taken a lot from Freud and Jung, and he discusses our archetypes and our fantasies. And and, and I suppose what he is, it, he's gone back to Aristotle as well, and then you know what, what we do is we learn, um, from catharsis, and, and, and the Greek word for catharsis is cleansing and purging and, and what he has said is that we need to get into our stories and our fantasies and we need to kind of use our imagination to, to get in there yeah. in order to understand the depth of, of the human soul um, so Joseph Campbell would be um, someone I'd say is really Christian and Christopher Fulger adapted his version of um, the hero of a, a Joseph Campbell wrote The Hero of a Thousand Faces mm. and um, Christopher culture wrote the, the Hero's Journey. Um, you know, I, I suppose... It depends, what you're, it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for something more real... Yeah. You know, Ken Loach, the, Killam, the maker Ken Loach, yeah. um, Paul Laverty is his screenwriter... Um, you know, I, Daniel Blake, and um, the, the new film Sorry We Missed You, which I haven't seen yet, yeah. they're films that tell stories in a very kind of different context of, of yeah. realism, social realism. Yeah. And, I, and I think that those are important uh, types of stories that will really inform us of, I suppose, the chaos that that uh, w- w- would describe a current political climate. Yeah. Um. But,
0: they have, a knack you know, and, for, I, and I think hmm? they have a knack for kind of reflecting the, the things that are going on or things that should be looked at. Their 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 films always feel very current, even if they're not, even if they're based in a different time or set in a different time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean you know, it is interesting. If we look back, you know, if we look back at films like um, Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. Or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or Rain Man or um, uh, you know, I don't know if you'd know those films, but what, e- oh, what yeah. he did Gilbert did. And, and they were all human stories about human kind of despair. Yeah. And um, I, 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 I I, find it hard to find films that give me the same level of satisfaction and oh. uh, human despair. Yeah. Um, and actually go back to your Irvine, uh, yeah, you know, when Ir- Ir- says the the fight, I mean, uh, the the price that one p- pays for self-awareness um yeah, I, I don't know are we losing something mm. currently in what we're seeing um and, and with the commerciality of it all and i think that's where um that's where we really do need to listen to our own voice yeah. and trust in ourselves and the stories that we want to put out there, yeah. Because otherwise, we it, it can become a very factum narrow um, world of, of this is what sells and this is what doesn't sell and this is you know. Yeah. Um, and so that, I mean, I admire I admire people um, like Charlie Booker with Black Mirror, and yeah. I, I always admire people who just want to step one step further mm. and challenge it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And me and make a question what we're
0: up to in the world. Yeah. Um and, you know? and um you touched on a little bit there just about we need we need more female voices and female stories. Have you yeah. seen um have you seen a shift in recent years? Do you think it's getting better? Are we on the right track? I have. Yeah. What else can we yeah. do or what how can we get more uh,
1: well, I, yeah, they, 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 that's an interesting one. And, you know, and I know the notion of the Irish Film Board taking in 50% of and 50%. 50% I, I don't think that that's necessarily a solution. Mm. I think that what we need to perhaps to do is raise our awareness with the female story.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and the female story might include a miscarriage, it might include the menopause, it might include being a mother, yeah. it might, you know. And it's, it's interesting. I I watched uh, TV series, um, and I have to laugh when I say this, but I wanted to educate my kids yeah. in in terms of female characters. And we watched this TV series that they, that they I have to tell you they, they you know spotlighted it for me yeah. called Jane the Virgin, and it's about yeah. three women characters and they're Mexican characters living in American. But actually it was really insightful to be to see my son's reactions to watching these theme, and they loved it right. they absolutely loved watching a grandmother, a mother, and a daughter you know unfold their traumatic except a, a tell novella novella yeah. sort of nonsense kind of carry on you know yeah. it's just ridiculous really but, yeah. but they got them all out of it in terms of understanding this a female a, a yeah, mm-hmm. and how she behaves and how she thinks and um and I think it's just—I think give ourselves a little bit of patience into hearing the female voice. There's there's some there's some really good um, uh, female stories out there, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's just yeah, whatever, you know. Really, it's trusting what makes us tick and what makes us feel. And um, and if it works for you, well then that's great. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. I, I don't think it's something we can push. I think it's something that we, have. We the whole Me Too campaign has raised an awareness. Mm. And so now you can sit with that awareness and see what, what it says to us and what we find and what, you know, what we're looking at. Um, but there is a change, yeah. uh, 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 there is a way of change, and I really, really welcome it. Mm. And I'm lo- really looking forward to seeing more films written by women and more films um, protagonists as well. And, um, you know, and I do hear that the next James Bond is going to be a female, which I did think at one point in time wasn't probably a good idea. But too many students try to talk me out of it. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what this new female James Bond character will be like, if, if, she, if she can work at all. Yeah. I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, we've kind of sp- spoken about it on the podcast with other filmmakers and... Um, Say one producer, it kind of we asked her that question if you know if she would have liked to have directed rather than producing. And she said she she didn't really occur to her at the time. And she wondered if maybe now she might have taught more more of what was possible. So we might not see the the benefits of this movement for fully coming to fruition, maybe for another 10 or 20 years. But it does seem to be happening,
1: yeah. and I think that's it I think we have to be patient Mm. Um, you know I know uh, I've been a lecturer in screenwriting uh, for 20 years but I I nearly had to pull the women into the room it was always the male um, that was more enthusiastic and more interested Mm. and more willing to either really direct or to write Um, and I just don't feel that women trust it the space enough um, and I don't think it. I think that it was just I think that was a global general sense of maybe I'd be better doing something and often, uh, interestingly, uh, you know I would have that discussion with the, the young women um, who we said well, you know, I want, I want to get a job at the end of this, I want to make money at the end of this so, so there's a practical element as well to I, I suppose a woman thinks and yeah. um, and and maybe that just not feeling safe enough to trust that their voice would be acknowledged or heard um, in the way that they wanted it to. So, yeah. um, it will it will change and it is changing and it's a real welcome change because at the end of the day, I think you know we can compare it to not seeing enough black people yeah. in our as protagonists and um, in our film still. Yeah. It, it, it's it's very obvious. There are there, we don't we don't see. There's, there's a great imbalance mm. between white people and and um, and black people in in our screens, and that that is starting to change in well and We're going to see, and we're all. I feel we're all striving towards equality, mm. and the more equality that happens and comes forth, the better we will all be for it.
0: Great. Well. Thanks so much, Julia, for your insights. Uh, It's been really great chatting to you.
1: Oh, thank you. I hope I didn't talk too quick and too much. But uh, thanks for asking me, Paul. And it's been lovely catching up with you. It's been lovely hearing from you. And the best of success for you in your future. Um, I'm very happy to see you doing so well.
0: Thanks so much. Cheers. So that was Julia Roddy. Um, So, yeah. Uh, a few months ago, we got to chat to Hermanus Mulman, or Manny, as he's also called, uh, from the film and TV charity in the UK. Uh, so I was actually at a festival in uh, Belfast. Uh, it was Docs, Ireland, the documentary festival. And uh, there was a few leaflets around. And uh, one of them was uh, the film and TV charity, and it was uh, advertising the uh, uh, the Filmmaker Helpline um, and uh it was just mad to see it I never thought of something like that and it was just really cool to see uh, just this resource that's there that's meant for filmmakers um, that's completely anonymous that can call anytime uh, 24-7 and uh, I didn't, hadn't even heard of the, the film and TV charity uh which used to be called the film tv Bene- Bene- benevolent fund. Uh so we reached out to Hermanus um to learn a bit more about it. Um so this is our conversation with him. So we're here we have uh money M- in on the line uh from are you you're in London? Is that where you are?
3: Uh we are in London central London yeah just uh just off Soho. Cool.
2: Is
0: it is the sun shining there? <laughs> What's it like not over gone. there? Yeah. I believe it's like a really big city That's and there's lots of noise.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Um uh, I I must say the weather is a bit Irish at the moment, you know, it's a, it's a bit drizzly outside.
4: Yeah, it's yeah. a bit Irish here too, but yeah, it's, it's always a- like that here. <laughs> <laughs> How are you?
3: <laughs> yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Glad it's uh, glad it's a Friday. So, uh we uh, we had a big event last night, our uh, sort of summer party. Um which was a fundraiser uh, for money towards the um, uh, support line. So um, there's there's a few tender heads around, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, great glad it's Friday.
0: Uh, well, maybe you, you could tell us a bit about uh, yourself, the work that you do with the charity, and how you ended up uh, working there, and and uh, and then
4: how it, it came how to how be. How it came
0: to be, yeah.
3: Right. Um, so the charity has been around for uh, nearly 100 years. Um, in 2024, we'll be um, celebrating 100 years as as a charity. Um, came about um, just after the first wave of cinemas in the sort of 1900s, 1910s. Um, wow. And uh, we've been going ever since. Uh, more recently, we... Uh, Changed our name a couple of, uh, well, about 18 months ago um, to, to the film and television charity. And What was what it, it before that, the, It was a cinema and television benevolent fund. Ah, okay. Um, back, yeah, back in the 20s was the cinematogra- cinematography uh trade benevolent fund i think um but yeah we we used to be known as the ctbf um but so yeah a new drive um to to adapt to to changing times you know um and uh forward our uh, you know our awareness amongst uh, people in the uh in the industry and you know forging um, a new and creative path for us um looking at you know how uh how the industry has changed, you know, with uh, especially with the rise of freelancing contracts, um, it's, it's quite mm. a different world out there than what it was in the past. So, so the charity, yep, uh, we we support people in the um, film, television, and cinema uh, trade. So anywhere from production through to distribution, and exhibition. Um, if you work uh, not uh, it's not uh, on screen talent uh, as they have their own trade charities, but basically anyone that works behind the camera, from your writers, directors, through to your cinema ushers, would fall under our uh, um, auspices. So, um, you know, as a charity, we we try to do a couple of things. Um, one of them is your typical charitable uh, welfare uh, support. So, obviously, uh, people who find themselves Struggling to pay the rent, uh, perhaps between contracts, perhaps out of work because of um, health or personal crises, uh, we can step in for a short period of time and, and support with uh, financial help. Um, we're also looking at you know, making it that much easier uh, for people to take opportunities, which uh, they might not be able to do because of um, financial restraint. So we've got a travel and subsistence fund. Uh, we've got a fund that can contribute towards childcare, wow. you know, just Support people who have opportunities to further their careers. That's amazing. You know, um, would struggle otherwise to 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 pay for things like travel, accommodation. Yeah, um, and we also have some talent uh, development awards. Uh, the John Brayborn Award is uh, our flagship. Um, Talent Development Award. It's worth up to five k for talented individuals who are, um, you know, need a bit of financial uh, support to to get their projects off the ground or get themselves back into college or university uh, to pay for overheads while they are working on a script or a production. So quite quite a wide remit uh, that people can can use it for. And, uh, and a few of um, our awardees have gone on to to you know uh, bigger and better things over the years. And we're constantly looking at, you know, what can we do to, you know, not only support people in times of crises, but actually to help people in times of opportunities to, to move forward um, with their careers. And that's really where we are focusing on as a as a charity at the moment is is looking at opportunities of, you know, helping people um, get ahead. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, also remembering why we are there, um, you know, to, to support people out or support people when times are tough. And uh, the support line is... Um, one of those initiatives that um, got up and running uh, just over a year ago now um, in April of, of last year, because uh, we, we had uh, a couple of instances of, you know, crises that, that led to, unfortunately, people um, taking their own lives. And uh, we, we had someone coming to us from uh, the Production Guild uh, here in the UK. Um, asking if there was anything we could do in order to support people who, you know, might find themselves quite isolated, you know, not part of a big team or um, working in the wee hours of the morning, and um, you know, um, facing, uh, you know, really, really difficult times in their lives. Whether we could do anything to to support these people, and from from that genesis, uh, the support line grew. Um, there was also obviously the the whole Me Too uh, movement. Uh, uh, came, brought into sharp focus on some some of the rather pernicious and and nasty practices that uh, do happen in some uh, you know uh, some companies and then you know yeah, some yeah. productions. So that added an extra elements uh, to 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 getting the support line up and running, um, which has now been going as I said since April last year, uh, 24/7, um, 365. You know there is someone there to talk to at the end of the line. Uh, it's also a Front door to to our other services, which includes uh, legal advice, uh, counselling, and then obviously also to to the various awards and grants that uh, that we offer as, as a charity.
0: That's amazing. And um, maybe just tell us a little bit about how the the line actually works. Who who's on the other end when you when you might call it?
3: Yeah. So um, as I said, it's it's run twenty four hours a day, seven days a week uh it's run by a, a team um of about 10 or 12 people that uh, work on on the contract for us um experienced dedicated team that uh, can handle various queries whether it was around finances or emotional support or um, you know um all all of those things that make life <laughs> uh, difficult so uh, yeah um, and, and, you know, we, we often get asked the question, are, are these people from, from the industry? And the answer, simple answer is no. Mm. Um, but they are trained in, in dealing with, um, you know, providing from, from a listening ear to, to being able to triage if there's a crisis on where the best place is for support. And, um, and the great thing is, is that through the support line, we can offer direct links um, to, to getting counselling way way quicker than you could on the national health service over here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh we can also set you up with legal advice um you know one to one um confidential legal advice with a um you know a legally trained um solicitor that, that can listen to you know the issues you may face and uh, you know as as freelancers there's there's no HR to turn to it's it's, it's quite tough out there yeah. so having that resource is, is um something that we're very proud to
4: yeah it sounds invaluable invaluable and what kind of uh, engage have you got a, a, a good bit of engagement with the with the press and stuff about this or um what kind of feedback
3: yeah i mean we um, we've we've uh, sort of partnered up with uh, the bfi and bafta over here um you know and so some of the sort of Press out there, um, you know, your um, screen daily and, and a couple of other um, sort of industry uh, rags have, have taken up quite, quite a bit of our, um, you know, bu- quite a lot of publicity on our behalf.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, we've just come off a, a major mental health survey. I don't know if you guys um, saw that, yeah. um, you know, the, the Looking Glass survey. Uh, that went out about six weeks ago now, um, which was around mental health. We've um, always right. anecdotally known that mental health is uh, a serious concern in in the industry, and we've always thought that you know the uh, um, you know in the general population we know that about between one and four and one and six people suffer from um, a mental health. Um, uh, issue uh, every year, and, and anecdotally, we we, we know that um, in in the industry it, it may be even higher. So we've ran a a, a survey, um, and we've had nearly nine thousand responses in the four weeks, which is absolutely amazing. So this has been picked up by some of the mainstream press, including the BBC, mm. um, and and we hope to build on on that um, going forward. Wow. So um, yeah, that's where the publicity is.
0: And uh, what sort of feedback have you gotten about from people using uh the support line?
3: Uh yeah, um since um since inception we've had about two and a half thousand calls from about a thousand five hundred people. So um, yeah. you know, uh on, on a monthly basis we, we get a fair number of calls. Um and uh, the feedback's been very positive. Um, overall, uh, most people are uh, very excited to, or amazed, I guess, that such a service exists for for the industry. Yeah. And, you know, the, the fact that not only do you have um, someone at the end of the line that can listen to you, but also can offer you some solutions or some, at least... Um, you know, point you in the right direction, and uh, it's it's not just uh, signposting, although they do that quite well. But mm-hmm. they can refer to to either counselling or to to the legal advice or to, to us here in, in the HQ, where you can get financial advice through any number of our uh, schemes. As I mentioned before, the, the travel and subsistence scheme or um, the um, family support fund, as we call the nursery um, payments. Um, it also pays for care, so if you do look after an adult, um, and um you need to go out to, to that interview or you know go and do that training course um you can dip into that fund to to pay for alternative um care arrangements for for a vulnerable adult or or a child um and uh yeah also the talent development um awards that we do
0: have yeah and you mentioned um funding uh so you're you're constantly uh doing events and that kind of thing to raise money is, is that how it works
3: we, yeah I mean we've got a program of of events um, uh, anything from from premiers um, through to our summer party which which happened last night uh, we do have a um, legacy and endowment uh, payments as well so um, you know we we do have our, our own funds, but uh, we're also looking at uh, raising more funds um, in order to keep our um, support line running and, and to launch new initiatives. So, um, yeah, there's there's a variety of, of, of events that we do hold during the year um, to, to to support and to raise awareness, I, I think. Um, it's, it's very important.
4: No, it's, 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 it's a really fantastic, fantastic service. Um, one of the reasons why... We're reaching out to you. Is in the Republic of Ireland we're s- sadly lacking a service like this. Mm. So you know, I suppose the intention behind this call is to start the debate. Um, I, I guess over here to uh, to to see the validity of 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 how something like that may make an impact over here.
0: From your experience doing it, would mm. you have advice if for if. Uh, people in other countries wanted to set up a line like that? Uh, Was there any kind of big lessons that you learned along the way?
3: I think... um
0: don't
3: yeah,
4: don't, I mean, don't, use, don't don't use don't use WhatsApp. <laughs> no,
3: <laughs> although you know um, uh, many many support lines are starting to use WhatsApp, uh, including Minds, the, the big mental health charity, um, is using WhatsApp as a as a way of people to to um, to communicate. Um, so it's not a channel we are currently using mm-hmm. in the support line. We use um, uh, web chat, uh, emails, and phone calls. So. Mm-hmm know, variety of ways for of people to to contact us. Um, but WhatsApp is, is is a big one that's that's growing. Maybe not for calls, but you yeah. know, for the, the tech purposes, it's, it costs nothing, doesn't yeah. it, it? So, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, lessons to learn is a you've got to understand exactly what it is um, that you want to do with the support line, so or the helpline. Um, understand what the need is of of the people out there and. Um, you know, and 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 really be uh, quite clear on what it is you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you are looking for how you know how how to set this up, uh, just have a very clear idea of what it is you want to achieve and what it is you can and can't offer. I think that's probably the the main thing, and and concentrate on a small number of uh, issues that you want to tackle, and then from there learn and 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 grow grow the service. Um, don't uh don't rush in and get a room full of uh, call handlers and, and you know <laughs> expect the calls to come in um right. uh, start small and, and and grow from there but um, be very clear on what it is you can and uh, you can offer um and and set that up well and 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 work from there
0: cool well that's that's brilliant um thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us it's very uh Enlightening for us, um just even I think I saw your flyer at the festival um in Belfast, and that's that's how I heard about it first oh, yeah. Yeah. so
4: Marnie, would yeah. you like to uh, uh, can you give us uh, your website there just in terms of maybe some Irish people that are living in the u k in particular that might listen to our into our into our podcast so that we can give you a plug just so that they can reach out to you if they need your assistance?
3: Yeah, so if you um, if you just want to go onto our website which is uh, www.filmtvcharity.org.uk. That's a mouthful
4: <laughs> say, say that three um, times fast. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, filmtvcharity.org.uk yeah, or you can call our support line directly 0800 54 double double That's 0800 54 0 double um, yeah, get in contact. And even if you are living in the Republic, but you've spent a, a good portion of your working life working on productions or broadcasts uh, that went out in in, in the UK, um, then uh, you know by
0: all means uh, get in touch. Great. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, we'll definitely keep in touch, and hopefully we'll definitely keep an eye on uh, the results for the 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 survey that you did.
4: Yeah man it's, it's really yeah, it's re- yeah it's really helpful and we really appreciate your time today. Uh keep, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. you're doing some really fantastic work and congratulations.
3: All right. Uh thank thank you for for your time and um yeah by all means um stay in touch if you want any um other uh, news or advice. That's brilliant.
0: Cheers man mind yourself. And finally uh so a few months ago um I saw that Screen Skills Ireland were doing a course on uh building skills building resilience and time management skills uh, with the tutor, Morag Abernathy. And uh, I just thought it was really interesting what they were doing, kind of looking at different types of soft skills that we need as filmmakers, um, a little bit outside the box, Uh, you know, not the usual, very practical, either screenwriting or some sort of, uh, you know, Kind of that kind of more skills that we associate with filmmaking, um, and I looked at different things like manage managing your time and energy, um, kind of meeting individual goals, uh, setting goals for yourself. Um, tools for developing self-awareness and kind of dealing with challenge, challenging situations and things like that. Uh, and I just thought it was really cool that they were doing something like that. Um, so I reached out to Fran Kevney, who also was another past lecturer of mine, and uh, got her on to have a chat. So here it is. Fran Kevney. thanks so much for coming into the studio and taking the time to talk to us today.
5: You're welcome, Paul. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Uh, you're very welcome. So um, could you maybe just tell us a little bit about your background in film um the kind of different jobs that you've worked up until this point?
5: Okay. Um, I started my career in Australia. I you know, did a course which was totally on film related when I left school uh, because there were very few courses in Ireland at the time. And when I went to Australia, I decided I wanted to do something different. So I uh, blagged my way into a job in the Australian film studios and then studied uh, film and TV part-time. And uh, I realised when I actually worked in the industry, it was absolutely useless. But it got yeah. everybody really excited about working in the industry. <laughs> okay. I thought there was somebody called a cable puller. And I wanted to be one, just running around after the camera. Yeah. But it was, um, so I went from there and then moved back to Australia after about three years, having freelanced in the production department. Uh, came back to Ireland, was very unionised at the time. Mm-hmm. Had to go back to being a trainee again. First job out was into the West. Then pretty much was working f- solidly after that. Uh, yeah. The van, the snapper, Braveheart. And what roles... Production mainly Uh, on Braveheart. In the name of the father, I was a location assistant, and then I was location manager on Braveheart, which was huge. It was the biggest film that had been made in Ireland at the time. Um, Really exciting and really exhausting. But it it was a brilliant training ground because we had crews that had just made these huge films and we'd never seen anything like it, so it was was a really brilliant experience, but it made me realise that I want to do big films. <laughs> I oh. much prefer right. small independent, I much preferred working on smaller films right. where you, you kind of had more of a key role, you were very yeah. much a cog in the works mm-hmm. on the big films. Right.
0: And there was kind of a, a glut of those films around that time.
5: Oh, yeah, well when I finished um, before I did Braveheart, I did five films back to back, In the Name of the Father went to Widow's Peak uh, Moondance uh, man of No Importance, and I can't remember the last one, but it was literally one after the other. And because the industry wasn't as vibrant as it is now, yeah. you were terrified to turn down a job, so you took everything. And okay. even if you were absolutely exhausted, and you were because the hours were longer than they are now, really. Right, okay. Yeah.
0: Less, slightly less regulation, maybe. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean, it was quite unionized, <laughs> but certainly in areas like production, you were on a day rate, you were on a deal. You know, okay. a lot of departments like locations and mm-hmm. you were on a deal. So, yeah. like on Braveheart, you were on a day rate and you regularly worked through the night into yeah. the next day. It was, that was just the way
0: it was. Yeah. Not good. And had you d- worked on, on productions in Australia?
5: I had. I'd worked in the Australian Film Studio and uh, we had a production that came in called Mission Impossible, which is the TV series, not the film. Okay. And I was poached from the studio and worked in there. And then freelance for a company called Crawfords at the time. We we're doing a lot of television programs, so I pretty much freelanced on between Crawford Productions and I did a lot of commercials.
0: And um, that would have been a more established industry at that time. Did you see big differences?
5: Uh, it w- it was established, but it was a bit rogue as well. Okay. A bit like Ireland when <laughs> I came home. Yeah. I mean, when I came home, the film board didn't exist. It, it, it yeah. had existed and then it was gone. And then in 93, it was reconstituted. So right. we didn't have a huge mechanism for funding. Mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't a huge amount of production happening. I mean, when I did Into the West... The next production that was in Ireland was The Snapper, which was happened at the end of the next year. So okay. nobody worked that year. And I mean nobody worked. we right. were hardly even commercials. So there was a lot less access to funding at the
0: time. Inter- yeah, because when we look back at the time, it seems like kind of almost like a bit of a golden age in that mm-hmm. all these big successful films were being made. But the this, the mist of time has kind of covered up those big gaps in between them I guess
5: yeah well I would say once the film board was reconstituted that yeah. you did see a huge jump in yeah. the amount of production that right. um, was happening in Ireland and as I said it was around that time that I was just going from film to film to film yeah and then great to be working all the same oh no it was great <laughs> no no it was fantastic <laughs> it really was it, and I mean there were teams you kind of I was Mary Eloghan's team and then it was Kevin Barker's team and the, well. you know where you tended to work with the same people and you went f- with that production manager onto the next production, and the travelling circus kind was of was a kind of a travelling circus, yeah. yeah. And there were as you know, where there's many people, I don't, there were bigger budgets. They even mm. though there wasn't as much funding, mm. uh, they were much bigger budgets. Uh, you know, when I look at the snapper, which was about, I think it was about one point five million, and that pounds, and yeah, that was yeah. a tiny budget, and it was shot on sixteen mil because. It wasn't a big enough budget. Or they just thought, it's oh, so a new television film. We won't even do it on Super 16. And then it got a theatrical release. But that was a small budget. Right. But now that would be, I know it's a still a low bud- budget budget, low budget budget. Yeah. But it would be, you know, films are being made now on 1.5, 1.2 euro, which is a lot less. So yeah. I suppose digital has a huge yeah. effect on what you can do as well.
0: Yeah. I didn't realise it was just meant for TV. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a TV yeah. movie, yeah,
4: BBC, yeah. 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 That's why it wasn't yeah. available on DVD because there was uh, issues wranglings and stuff, wasn't there, over royalties or something over the years. Are
5: yeah, well, it, it didn't. It would only got clearance for television, which you don't take, you know, clearance for oh. perpetuity on a lot of television stuff. So right. it was just a TV film.
0: Yeah. yeah. What a wonderful fluke! And then, um, <laughs> did you move into? producing your own work then at that stage no
5: I've, n- I've never worked as a producer okay. i've pretty much always worked as crew so when i um i went to australia i did a film called the devil's own which was oh yeah. harrison ford and brad pitt and they were meant to come to ireland for three weeks to film and 26 weeks later we finished <laughs> on the production they came for a week and a half two weeks spent about five million and um, doing a few sequences it was a film that kept was rewritten quite a few times okay. so then i uh, i was married at the time my husband got a job in tg car and moved to galway and was the first pm on rostner room so went from a 45 million dollar film to a three camera live mixed <laughs> television soap opera yeah. the next morning which was a baptism of fire but but again brilliant and what was great about that was well, what, uh, what was hard about that was taking a completely inexperienced crew <laughs> that had come off an Utheros course and creating something. And within a year, it was pretty much sustaining itself with local crew. We brought mentors down, yeah. did a huge amount of training. And uh, now it runs, I mean, it's 22 years, I think now, wow. 22 years it's going. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just a machine. It it's going. a
5: machine. So I did about three years of that, and then I went to, moved into the film board and I was there for quite a few years. I was the short films executive for about eight years yes. and then I left and I kept going back and doing contract work and did a few films in between and in between I've taught on, in the Houston, um, I taught in the Houston School of Digital Media for about 13 years.
0: Yeah, so um might just touch on your time because it's always very valuable to talk to people who've been on the this, that other side of commissioning, uh, especially with, if you're eight years experience uh, with the shorts um, what were some of the big insights that you got about about short filmmaking while you were there
5: um, I suppose we looked at short films I mean obviously a short film can sh- it can't, yeah, absolutely I think it's a great calling card but we never saw them as that we thought you should be making this film as a great film
4: yeah. it should be a standalone it should be a standalone
5: and it shouldn't be a shorter version of the f- feature film you want to make and they were usually the most disastrous ones because yeah. There wasn't a good story, and people were always saying. I used to sit in a lot of panels, say, hey, "What are you looking for?" And I say, "I'm looking for a good story."
2: Yeah.
5: But you were also we what we had a huge emphasis. On, we were looking for good teams as well, so it was kind of quite a holistic approach. In that, it, like maybe the best script didn't get it, but you could see a team that were really on the brink of mm. moving on and you thought, oh, it'd be great so to it's give them an opportunity. The, it's more about the
4: buzz, the, the overall kind of vibe about... about yeah,
5: the, about well, sometimes you look at a team and you think, well, maybe with that script, they'll do something really good with it. And maybe somebody else isn't mm. far enough along in their career or maybe haven't established themselves enough to really do it justice and come back next year. And like we would see the same mm. things coming back year after year. And often they were funded two or three years later mm. because... The person, like the director or the producer, was in the right space mm. at the time to. So don't give up, folks. Don't y- give up. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously there's a limit, and I, d- I can't remember what the limit is now, but you know, <laughs> if after three times. <laughs> well, as well, if you don't get shortlisted or you don't get interviewed, mm. usually you'd be interviewed. I'll, I'll rephrase
4: that. Don't give up if you're. Mm, if you're good
2: yeah
5: (laughs) (laughs) if you get well if you get a good reader's report and maybe you were called in for interview Mm. or you were shortlisted enough to keep going right absolutely and it's always judged on the year because one year you might just get tons of amazing applications and you're really struggling Mm. to pick you know 10 to interview and another year oh God, you know we're not we're just not getting the same quality so year after year but that's what we looked for we looked for Good teams, good stories. Sometimes
4: there's, you know, there's just a not there's not enough bars in the selection box for yeah, all the kids.
5: Absolutely, absolutely.
4: <laughs> um, can I ask you, um, is there any kind of prerequisite that you look for in that scenario where, you know, I mean, one one thing that I'd ask is, is it always about the team? Like, is it always about the team, or is like, can you see kind of a long term strategy in terms of relationship building down the line? yeah we are going to invest in 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 this project more so on the team as you said but it's with with an eye to supporting them all the way down the line.
5: Absolutely. And it was one of the things that we brought in when I was there um in that area was we set up communication so with the project of, uh, managers so mm-hmm. that it wasn't just it was myself and Jill McGregor and we said it's not enough for the people who are doing the films to just know us. Yeah. So so the project managers now are assigned to different um schemes so somebody could look after frameworks and somebody else's steps in where it's... God, I'm forgetting all the names now and it's not signatures anymore because I don't work on the screen yeah. end anymore. <laughs> um, but they... Well, so they would develop a relationship with a project manager that further down the line they could be sending in their feature mm-hmm. film too. I so know. that was really important to us.
4: Yeah, and it always doesn't work. You know, It doesn't always work, rather. No. you know, No, no. But when it does, we get something amazing, know, which we've proved over the last couple yeah. of years.
5: Oh, no, we've had some really good people. And when you were talking there... Um, Paul about theme is that some because things come up and you know, next year it'll be all about Brexit and then mm-hmm. we had homelessness and mm-hmm. we've had you know immigration and then it's amazing how you could read 30 scripts with all with the same theme. Does and this happen by osmosis? So oh it no. just happened because people think this is mm. really cu- you know this mm. was really topical so yeah. this would be something they'd be interested in and then you're reading one after the other and then one just jumps out. <sighs> I mean, a bit like New Boy I mean New Boy was just yeah. Amazing, and I cannot tell you how many c- scripts I had read that year about, you know, Immigra- m- immigrants, immigration, immigration yeah. and the impact of it, and and it's like homelessness as well, mm. and it, they're all very sensational. And then you just touch ones like Rosie when I read the script for mm-hmm. Rosie, I thought, oh my film. God. That is just so, now I d- obviously I wasn't involved in the commissioning of it, but it just, it's the same theme as everybody else has mm. is, is writing about, but they just touch on something special and it just jumps off the page. Yeah,
4: it's beautiful. That's a beautiful film. Yeah. We, we obviously saw it through the, through the podcast and it was amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 Uh, so from then you kind of moved more into education, f- yeah. say from when you finished up in the board, so... Uh, mostly third level?
5: Mostly third level, yeah. I had, um, years and years ago, I was involved in delivering some Screen Training Ireland courses, but that was many, many years ago when right. I was a coordinator.
0: Okay, so maybe tell us about your current role, kind of why what you were brought in to do. Okay,
5: so Screen Skills Ireland identified that there's, you know, so many different uh, areas that, like, screen, as we are called Screen Ireland, as opposed to Screen Training Ireland, and there's just so many different areas that need training. And we want to be seen as a country with really top class crew in all areas. Animators, gamers, well, we, we've moved into, well, we do we do training gaming, um, live action, non-fiction. So it was a huge amount of work for a very small number of people. And originally, when I first knew about screen training, I were about three people working for it. Mm. So my job is a new job. And I look after just film and TV drama, so below the lines of Grania Bennett looks after creativity and creative collaboration, so she would look after directors, producers, writers, uh, or when I say look after them, look after training. And then I look at training for crew. So what we did last year, we did a skills needs analysis across like a survey across the industry. We got a brilliant response with about 1,300 responses, and we've just so please fill it in it's okay. just back out again <laughs> okay. and it's just it's fantastic for us because we can see what people want what what's missing where the gaps are yeah. we also went out just got the
0: email oh actually, did you yeah. oh good
5: now you have to fill it in
0: yeah.
5: Um well, we're hoping that it'll even be higher because in the 12 months since we did the first one we've, yeah. we've been reaching out to all areas of uh, production so Um, it kind of informs us how people want to be trained as well, not just about what courses they want, but how they want to be trained, who they want to be trained by. Um, And it's really to keep the level of, the skills level at its highest level because Section 481 is brilliant and long may it stay, but we need to be selling more than just our tax relief because so many countries have tax reliefs now. Mm. So we want people to come and say, you get a top class crew when you come to Ireland.
0: (laughs) Um, So, And one of the areas, so... You're talking, t- you were telling us about soft skills. Now, maybe there's a better way of putting it, but wh- how would you describe soft skills?
5: Well, when we were meeting with the guilds, it, bar none, every guild came and said, we would love some kind of coping techniques working in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're working in a very stressful environment. It could be, you know, be it weather, be it time, be it just the content of whatever they're trying to, what, what they're working on. Mm-hmm. And they just felt that they've never like if you worked in a corporate environment, you would be getting these courses all the time, and that sometimes they just found it difficult to relate to people above them, maybe manage people below them, and they just felt they were really lacking in those skills, and the only time they learned, the only way they learned was on set by the people above them, and sometimes the people above them may not have had the greatest management style, and they just, well, I know I didn't like being managed like that, I want to do it better, Um, and also productions have um, really clear and fantastic policies now around harassment bullying and um, just respect and yeah. we mm-hmm. want like productions we would hope would all have good values and how do i work within those values and do my job at the same time so they were so so many were looking for kind of a suite of courses or a suite of skills so we've put together um three courses uh, one is called building resilience and time management. So that's basically looking at yourself and how you work best, the people around you, and then how to manage your time. Just mm-hmm. you know, because it's your time. And people say, "But our time isn't our own." You know, mm-hmm. it's it's everybody else is everybody else calls on it. But actually, our time is always our own. Yeah. We just have to manage within the time scales that we we have to work with. Yeah. The other one is leading successful teams. Which so we've run building resilience and time management twice. Yeah, um,
0: we ran. Right, leading babe, you get a. A big response. Really,
5: really big response. So we, uh, the first one, we so we always run them on Saturdays when I I thought I was taking a nice nine to five job. But most of my courses run on Saturdays, (laughs) weekends, evenings.
0: To to allow for a crew. Yeah,
5: absolutely. And which has been interesting because sometimes people say, no, I don't want to give up my weekends. I'd Mm -hmm. rather do them in the evenings. Or, you know, they're off. And we've changed courses because, you know, just a bank of people who want to do it happen to be off at the same time. And that's the thing with freelancers. You can't. It's hard to you go gain. where the work is, yeah, well, you do, and it's so it's hard to book ahead, yeah, you know, um yeah. so anyway, the leading successful teams were about to run that for the second time, that had a hugely positive response right. um from the participants who did that, and then what kind the of numbers attend, attend? we only have fifteen okay. so because a lot of group work, yeah, um yeah, so okay. if it's any more than that, it just gets too diluted mm-hmm. um and then the next one is meaningful mentoring, and that's because, as you know, with section four eight one now, uh you have to put in a skills development plan for every production if you are claiming section 481 so we look after in screen skills and um, even emir mackovan um, my colleague looks after um all the on-set learning and looks after sc- section 481 from screen skills ireland's point of view so we look at people's proposals of how they're what training is going to happen on set and what courses they might be running and we approve or come back and ask them to you know tweak or can we, we meet with the productions and um we approve it and then they can go on and, s- and apply for Section 481. But because of that, there's a huge amount of training happening in productions now. Mm-hmm. And like that, people, people have always trained. We all trained on set. I oh, trained and I trained below me and people, you know, got training from people, but it was never captured. Yeah. So it's now being captured. So people have to fill in task sheets. They might might be a reflective journal. It might be captured on video. Mm-hmm. So we have to prove to the department culture that the training is actually happening on set so we're now running a course, another course on meaningful mentoring. And that is just teaching people how, what's the best way to teach somebody else. Because mm. I say we've always done it, but now yeah. we just have to, it has to be in a more structured way.
4: When you need strategy in order to get the best out of people. Absolutely.
5: Yeah, and it has been, there's been a, a, a huge amount of oh, how is this going to happen and we say <laughs> yeah. but you're doing it anyway you know yeah, you've, yeah. We've, you've been doing it all along we just need to see it and quantify it and for us it's all about the quality of the training mm-hmm. um, and there is a certain spend as well that has to be spent you know from section 481, okay. section 481 funding
0: what are you seeing like in the changes or the changes in attitude over the last few years or how or n- and how can we kind of look at these things in in better ways
5: well, I think people are becoming more aware of, you know, just even to the top of my head because we're we're also um, putting together health health and safety manual which we have collaborated with the industry to put together. It's a huge document. We thought it would be you know small or manageable. It has to go online. It's enormous, and and every industry has or every department has has collaborated with us to create it. It's been it's fantastic. Uh, so with regard to health and safety, people are much more aware. They're not willing to take risks that certainly mm-hmm. I would have seen in mm-hmm. the early days of the industry where it's all about the film. You know, I often yeah. think <laughs> if you got all the filmmakers in Ireland alone just to work on World Peace, I reckon we'd have it in about two hours. You mm-hmm. know, just that passion that yeah. people... So people are much more health and safety aware. They're much more aware of their own, you know, their own um, health, their well own being. well-being, yep. Yeah. Um, so people are kind of looking at strategies and looking at ways of making work more manageable. Mm. So we've been encouraging as well people to look at areas where why, why couldn't you job share? Why can't you have start people earlier and somebody mm. else works late? So there is an awful lot more of that. There's a little bit of reluctance, but I think people are saying, yeah, actually, there's no reason. Mm-hmm. This is in every other industry. Why can't it be in ours?
4: Yeah. Why, why is there a perception there that everybody has to work themselves out
5: yeah, I know. You know, I think it's the historical. harder I work, the
4: better I am at yeah. my job. You know, to the point where you fall over. Absolutely. And there's a, and there's a great, there's a great, uh, you know, there's great workman like I guess quality to that, uh, to that about getting your hands dirty and working until you're tired. Yes, but it's yeah. not necessary.
5: Not always. Time. No, and um, there are times when you have to put out, pull out all the stops. Especially, yeah. you know, it's it's an industry that it, there's so many factors that affect it that wouldn't affect. Other industries, you know, mm. if the power goes down the factory, right, you know, the s- Jenny s- ki- kicks <laughs> on and you can keep going after a few minutes. Um, but in our in this industry, it, there are so many factors, weather being one, you know, and yeah. mm. um, just just a lot of things. But it doesn't have to be like that all the time. Yeah,
0: I guess what it's not it's more burning out.
5: Absolutely. And yeah. people ha- have seen that they have burned out. And yes, yeah. but I really like this industry. I really want to make it work. And I think as well, producers are looking at really good policies as well. It's n- it's not okay now to shout at somebody. It's not okay mm-hmm. to work people to the bone. People need to be... Unless you're a director. There needs to be a huge amount of respect. <laughs> well, there was an incident, you know, recently. Well, I, I read about where a director roared at somebody, and that was it. They were removed from the set, and they were... The director was yeah, fired. yep. Yeah. Wow, yeah. okay so I read about that some time ago, and I thought that's really good that's a really good example of how you know it's not okay it's not okay to be disrespectful mm. to anybody in yeah. any industry and why we thought it was okay in ours and I, as you say it's just it was it's creative it's People get very passionate about it. But you can have all that. and
4: You can have fire without insulting somebody and hurting
5: Yeah, 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 but but you can leave work as well. Right, they're 11-hour days. They're long days. But getting proper breaks, making sure people get, you know, a little bit of time offset. Mm -hmm. As you say, not everybody has to be there at 6 o'clock in the morning in every department. So it's looking at how can we make this Mm. better. And it's education. It's, you know, like that. Uh, heads of department coming on courses like leading successful teams, saying how can how can I lead my team so that they're going to enjoy the job, mm. not burn out, yeah. and it's been it's really satisfying for them. What um, else
4: What else can we do in terms of providing a foundation? Because uh, one, one of the one one of the other sections of this particular podcast, we were talking to an organisation in the UK, which is formerly the Benevolent Fund. So the idea of having a, now, obviously with the government, there's great strides happening with creatives and Mm self-employed people now insofar as they can, you know, claim extra money and so on. And that's incredibly helpful. But shouldn't there be now I'm just putting this out there more bursaries or support structures for people who work in crew and film and television across, you know, the demographic where, you know, where they're having major problems, where there are funds there to quite literally save their lives in some cases.
5: This is, you know, if they're out of work. Yeah. I suppose it's like, again, I'm just comparing to other industries where, you know, like I, when I was a freelancer, I had serious illness cover. I just, it, to me, it was essential. To, it was yeah. a really important thing to have. That I, ne- I had accident cover and serious illness cover. And I think it has to be part of... Your, you know, your expenditure no more than you're putting money away for your pension. Mm-hmm. And I think as a f- as any freelancer in any industry, you have to look after yourself to a point. W- you know, with regards to you're looking after yourself, looking after your family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think
4: that's really sustainable for a lot of people. But I get what you're saying in principle. Um, yeah. it, you should. But there's a lot of actors out there and freelancers and who actors in particular who are literally living hand to mouth. Yeah, you know and. It, it, you know and uh, various different crew members it, you know it's obviously the more practical to work the chances are that you know in a lot of cases they'll be working more because it's tangible and it's you know it's repeat yeah. there's repeat work out there but you know if you know not just for actors, because God know, like God, uh, God love the actors and all that, but yeah. actors and 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 more creative types, there needs to be, I think, more of a safety net to catch them, not necessarily yeah. financially, but you know, the the helpline uh, factor. It was interesting well.
0: talking. So yeah, it's the it's the film and TV charity, I think it's called in the, oh UK. Right, in the UK. So uh, yeah, and we had the guy Manny, uh, so that'll be part of this podcast, and uh, yeah, so they have various uh, bursaries that you can apply for if you need. Uh, kind of a helping hand uh, if you work in the industry. Um, even things like helping with childcare and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and then they have um, a 24-hour helpline that you can call wow. if you work in the industry. Just for someone
4: even to talk to, yes. you know, or yeah. point you yeah. in the right direction, or, I don't know, give you some, you know, give you a lift or yeah. boost, you yeah. know? I know. Keep yeah. going, you'll be okay.
0: It's just an interesting talk. Now, they obviously have a much bigger industry, but it was just interesting to see... Uh, that there is something like that yeah. you know we never really <laughs> thought it w- you know we really yeah. we'd never even thought of it I really. was just
4: shocked to, to to number one to know it existed but number two to see how it quite literally it's saving lives in the yeah. UK mm-hmm. and
5: how's it funded because I, d- I it uh, a know it. so it's they, a charity so they fundraise yeah, yeah right. they yeah. fundraise yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I suppose as well they've a much bigger population yeah. of um, course
4: yeah yeah it's not you know this is not a pointing the finger exercise yeah. from our point of view it's like you know, I'm just putting it out there. How what can we do to try and copy off our our cousins again? Yeah. You know,
5: absolutely. And one of the things that we are starting up again, there was a thing called Production Club in the Screen Training Round ran a few years ago. So we're starting a thing called Screen Talks and we're hoping that the first one will be out at the end of October and it'll be a monthly meetup for people in the industry for all people. It's Lovely. not, uh, you know, if you're a trainee or you're an experienced director or whatever, and there will be talks, a bit like TED Talks, about um, things, topics that are of interest to, uh, you know, the industry. And some, some will be, oh, I'm not really interested in that. Another mm-hmm. one thing, oh, I really want to go to that. So. But it'll also be a big networking opportunity but because it's the
4: continuity of it also it needs to happen regardless of interest. Yes, oh absolutely,
5: you know? and you know we'll always have at least one or two people talking about a topic that's relevant to the industry. So it might be somebody talking about VFX, but not from a VFX point of view. But it might be how does VFX affect the rest of the crew? You know, yeah. how do camera lenses? You know, when they change for prime lens, what what does that mean for me in the costume department? You know, mm-hmm. so we're hoping that it will be a really good opportunity for people to come together for a new crew who are looking to, you know, our new creatives who would love to just make some connections and that it's an opportunity to network because you could be on the same film for, you know, six months and you you only meet (laughs) the people in that film because you're working long hours, you know, you're probably going to your family the rest of the time. Um, So this is an opportunity to go beyond your bubble as such. And some people are working in one industry, one part of the industry. They'd really like an opportunity to move across maybe from nonfiction to fiction or fiction to nonfiction. And it's uh, it's saying, well, if I go along there, I could meet people who could be of benefit to me Mm -hmm. in my career. Well, the best creatives
4: know, you know, ordinarily in my experience, know a great deal about how everything else works. You know, and and these type of networking events are needed from that point of view as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have. Obviously, you don't have to. You know, and it's not necessarily like a jack of all trades things. But if you know what a camera op is doing, or you know, if you know what a dop is doing in that time that they're prepping to do something. You know, it makes your process a lot easier to 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 figure to figure out how the yeah. all uh, how every cog in the machine works. Absolutely. And the more people who come to events like that or networking events in general, not only our own but obviously you know some of the higher end, subsidized ones, um, you know, is 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 people need to be coming out to these things, awesome. at all levels. Yeah. Because yeah. the problem is is that when people and I know this through through conversations I've had with people who were who have either who were starting out. Mm-hmm or who are starting out now, because that's a lot of the remit that we deal with in F&I, yeah. is uh, they don't feel as if they're not welcomed to these environments. They sure. don't feel it's for them. Yeah. They feel as if the person who's there who has 20 years experience doesn't want them there.
5: Yeah, and we want to kind of break that down, and we really want... We can see that there is a disconnect when you graduate, especially in this industry, because it's not like if you become an engineer and you leave and you're an engineer. You know, Um, you could, you want to be a DOP or you want (laughs) to be, but you know, you're going to be back to being a trainee again or you're starting out as a trainee, Mm. which can be hard after four years in college. Mm, But to, if you are, come to an event like that and you meet somebody who's, a really, you know, well-known DOP, and you hear their journey, and you think, oh, right, okay, that's that's how they did it too. Mm-hmm. That's mm. that's okay. Now, now I'm really enthusiastic about being a trainee for three or four years because I can see that that's where I could be. Yeah. So I think sometimes, and I do feel sorry for graduates. Having yeah. taught myself, that um, you, it's very hard to get that real work experience. And it's no criticism of the colleges because it's really hard to recreate. Mm. You know, you might have a course, the course that I. On and Paul was on it. You know, there's maybe 14 people, so Mm -hmm. you're never going to create being on a set with 300 crew, it's just you just can't do it. So it's um great for people to come even hear other people's career stories to know that that's that's okay. I could, you know, they did it, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) I'm not, I haven't failed because I'm a trainee now. That's actually how everybody starts because it is very much like an apprenticeship. Do you
4: think that we can do more in terms of mentorship? Because it seems to be like when people are. Uh I know that you know in in a lot of people's individual careers it happens organically, but do you think that there can be a little bit more in terms of you know the i suppose the top brass doing more to interact and engage people um you know one on one? creating video series you know th- doing what you're doing but making it more accessible and more widely available to, to the people
5: we're actually looking at and it just hasn't been launched yet we're actually looking at a much more structured mentoring mm-hmm. programme um, and certainly with with the screen skills uh, development plans or the screen d- skills development plans for the section 481 productions yeah Um we look for mentoring shadowing upskilling it's not just trainees. oh it's happening
4: I, I know and I noticed the S- SDGI uh, mentoring shadowing yes, thing as well yeah. I'm aware of that but, uh, you know, even video series, like if these were filmed, it would have so much further reach. 15 know, people in a room or 100 people in it, you know, in the sugar club or wherever. It yes. Is. Yeah. Like, that's great. But, yeah. you know, the idea of making it more kind of masterclass-ish or, uh, you know, making it more interactive from a media perspective, I sure. think, would have further reach.
5: Yeah. Well, I'm one of the things we're looking at and we just... I don't have the bandwidth at the moment because we're all just so busy. <laughs> I'm very busy. Just, no, period. no, it's just mad. <laughs> but one of the things that, would, you know, when you have one of those things on your list and it's, yeah. it's online learning and and we know it's something that definitely we want to look at and move into and introduce, especially when we have somebody amazing over and you think, oh, my God, only those 15 people are going to get the benefit
0: mm-hmm. of
5: this workshop, whereas wouldn't it be great if we could record it? and. Um, but also just more online learning, especially for crew who can't get out, or even um, the
4: audio. If the audio is recorded, abso- and then yeah. it just goes out on the page. You yeah,
5: you know, no, yeah. we'd often do that for master classes, but yeah. we do. We are looking at a very structured. Uh, mentoring uh, scheme where people can apply for mentoring. So say for example when you are stepping up for the first time or maybe directing your f- first film or mm-hmm. stepping up in a role, it's your first time being a DOP or a designer and you, you, know, you know you've been in, in the crew but all of a sudden there's nobody up there to talk to, you know, there's nobody to ask questions. There's nobody in the box. Yes. And all of a sudden all the all the decisions have to be made by you and that can be a scary place. So what we are putting together is a structured mentoring program where we will have a number of mentors for very for different areas. And people can apply when they get an opportunity or maybe Mm. they want to get an opportunity and they just feel they're lacking in the advice and the expertise and that we would appoint and pay for a mentor to be available to to them. So there'd be a certain amount of kind of face to face um, opportunities and then obviously by email or phone and yeah, yeah. So because it is it is very hard sometimes to take that step and what you just really need is somebody who's done it before Mm. and to be able to give you you a bit of guidance.
0: Uh, so for someone listening who maybe isn't that aware of screen skills Ireland um what's the what's the website and is there a newsletter and all that
5: kind of yeah stuff? so the best thing to do is to register on our website which is www.screenskillsireland.ie Um and once you register you will automatically get an email with absolutely everything we're doing every seminar every course every like one that's coming up well I might as well plug it now yep. is a responsible production and that'll be looking at everything from sustainability um, gender bias to um, uh, diversity, inclusivity—you mm. know—it's really all the good, bi- all the good things we should be doing yeah. uh, in production. So, you you get a notification of everything we're doing. So the best thing to do is to register on our website. And I, I
4: suppose it also has to be mentioned that you do not. There's no criteria to sign up for this newsletter.
5: Oh you no, know? no. So you have the option. I mean, um, our newsletters go out. They're not very often. It's more yeah. that we're, no, more, it's more about events. If
0: you're signed up on the website, you get an email pretty much about every yeah uh, course that's related. You tick boxes yes. as, as to which so you'll kind of courses specific you will get something specific to you, to you. Yeah. yeah.
5: Now we are revamping our our website in the next year, so it'll be much better. It'll be mm-hmm. much more specific.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you've have been really been surprised by in this mm-hmm. new role, or th- you know, putting on these kind of courses?
5: Um, I what what has been really lovely. Last night we met with the prop skills. So, so we've been trying to meet with the guilds and explain what's happening on set because it is new and yeah. it came in very quickly for us and for the crew who all of a sudden are, you know, being you know he, he's your job. And by the way, he's a skills <laughs> participant, and we need you to fill this in every week. And we need you to you know have sit down and work out their training needs. And there was you know what I've been absolutely delighted with is. Uh, not a reluctance, a kind of, oh, how do we do this? And now a total, you know, enthusiasm for it, yeah. that people just see the value of it yeah. and know that it's not just like even if, it, if they're not getting the training, they can see the value of having well-trained people in their departments and how they really embraced it and are, you know, really keen to learn and really keen to progress and to, you know, build their own skills, which is because as I, say, I suppose I'm dealing with a cohort of people who haven't traditionally had the opportunity to do as many courses as they have. Mm-hmm. And they are just fantastic. And the guilds have been amazing at getting information and pulling people together and coming back with lists. And, you know, it's it's just it's just made my job very easy with the enthusiasm, enthusiasm of the crews.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, Fran, thanks so much. We really appreciate coming. On.
5: No, Thank you very much for inviting thank me. Thank you
0: so that about wraps it up uh, so yeah it's bit something different that we're trying and um, we hope the different people that we were talking to uh, kind of get people thinking and um, yeah we're just kind of opening up a, a conversation about looking at how we work in the industry in different ways so we hope it was uh, helpful and useful and um, any feedback is greatly appreciated so uh, yeah please get in touch and let us know what you thought